chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And then I will pray again. Father, we thank you because as we receive your word, as we hear your word, we know it to be the word of God. Not the word of men, but the word of God. We ask you that you would have your way, that we would be doers of your word. Strengthen us today, Lord God. Move our hearts into that direction, Lord. Restore us before your presence. Restore us in fellowship with one another. Again, Father, we love you. We thank you. And we put all these things before you as you speak to our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Paul, he now moves forward with his address to the Philippians by informing us of his intent of sending others to minister in his place. You know, when I first looked at this passage, I thought to myself, you know, maybe I'll skip over this section because uh, maybe there really isn't much there uh, for our congregation to grab hold to. But then I'm reminded how the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. How I am reminded by God's Word that all Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture. But not just the ones that we like, not just the ones that we deem to be important or not, but all Scripture is, is, is breathed out by God for our own edification, for our own building up. And as I process through that, uh, the Lord, he began to open my eyes to what needed to be said, what we needed to hear. And again, understand that uh, it is not uh, that I personally initially find no value in that, uh, but uh, as far as where we are as a congregation, what I thought. But God says, that his thoughts are not our thoughts. He says his ways are not our ways because his ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. Therefore, we should always yield to the move of the Holy Spirit. Ralph Waldo Emerson says, don't say things. What you are stands over you the while and thunders so that I cannot hear what you say to the contrary. In other words, what he's saying is, he's saying that your actions, our actions, speak louder than our words. You know, you know we say, uh, some people, all, you, all you're doing is, is, is just moving your mouth, you're yapping your gums. That's all that you're doing. Because we know that some people, uh, that they do a lot of talking, and they have no action to back up what they're saying. Uh, there's some, some things that are not consistent. 
So while in prison, Paul, he makes a decision to send disciples to the church of the Philippians. And you know, who he chooses is extremely important. He can't select people who don't represent the name of Jesus Christ. Because uh, that is the very point where Paul was in his life. As you recall, uh, that he was there in prison. And remember he says, uh, for me to live is Christ, uh, but to die is to gain. So here he was on the precipice of life and death. And now he has to send someone to represent him. Well, who do you choose? Do you choose anyone? Do we choose anyone when we are in that middle place between life and death? So if Paul had to choose someone to send to these Philippians. He had to choose someone that he could trust. If you had to choose someone to represent you, who would you choose? Who could you trust to speak in your stead? So why would uh, Paul, however, choose these individuals? And would the Philippians accept them as being uh, an appropriate ambassador of Paul, uh, a.k.a. ambassador of Jesus Christ? What are those traits? What traits do you have? As an ambassador of Christ, do you possess any? Do you possess all? Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 19. And here, Paul, he gives us two examples of people and their faithfulness. Verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 25. Verse 25. And now he's spoken of Timothy. Now he says here, verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. So Paul intended to send two people to the Philippians, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now, uh, we must also remember something I mentioned about uh, earlier about calling and potential uh, just a few messages ago and how we must fulfill our calling and, and not our potential, else we end up frustrated and fighting people for something God never called us to. Now, if you want to hear more, you need to go back and listen to the entire series. Remember, we may end up doing things that wears us thin and wears us down while end up burned out and unable to fulfill our calling due to chasing some dream that God never called us to chase in the first place. So uh, here is Paul needing to select either Timothy or, Papa, or Paphroditus. You know, how or what is the process of selecting someone to build up the body of Christ? So of course, the same question could be asked not only of the church, 
but right where you work. How do you decide if you, if you are the leader of anything, if you are the CEO, if you are the manager, if you are a teacher selecting leaders uh, among leaders in your classroom, uh, how do you go about the process, but specifically in the body of Christ? And oftentimes, one of the things that we put ahead of anything else is competency. You know, do they have the skill set to make sure that everything gets done? Uh, is that number one? And I have a particular bias, I have to admit to you, right out the gates. When you think about uh, uh, is competency, should that be number one? Who do I choose? Well, that is important, right? Because if you are a publisher of, of books, that you don't want to have people become your editors who can't spell. Can you say amen? That makes sense. So, but my bias is, yeah, I would like for them within the church to be competent, but for me, it is that character issue that rises above all others. Well, if you don't believe me, just take a look at what's going on in our nation today. Can you say amen? Now, your calling assumes that the one being sent has an internal indicator, and that internal indicator is the Holy Spirit, which drives them with a level of passion to the ones they are being sent to. That internal indicator that, that God is calling. Remember, Paul said uh, of the Macedonians, he says, I saw in a vision them calling me, so this is where I am to go. The Thessalonica. It is that in some, people, uh, some people see visions. Some people have an anxiety. I have to go. I must go. I, I must do this. I must do that. And oftentimes, uh, that is the Holy Spirit at work within them. So normally, when we think of one being sent in the New Testament, you and I, that we should think about the apostle. Because the word apostle itself means one who is sent. But here, the one being sent is not the capital A apostle. But they are being dispatched to carry a message, like a courier. And this one who's being dispatched to carry uh, that message, uh, the fact that they have been selected by Paul is an indicator of their character. Keep going back to that. You notice that in the last few weeks here in Philippians, we keep going back to character. But you must do what I do. And that is, ask yourself the question, what does character have to do with the title of this series? Huh. What does character have to do? What is the connection between character and integrity and sticking together in the body of Christ? So in some sense, Paul is saying that 
that they must have passed some test and that they are qualified to deliver the message which has been entrusted to them. And again, if you have been tracking along with us during this series, you know how important prayer was to Paul because of the place he was in spiritually and emotionally. Spiritually, a prayer was important because Paul wanted the advancement of the gospel to continue as Christ's message was being heard even in the prison. But emotionally, he was in this place because he felt as if he was ready to die. And again, I mention all of this, all of this to say that it was important for Paul to send out the right people. It's important for you to send out the right people. As a matter of fact, it's important for us to be that right person. In fact, look at what Proverbs says when you send out the wrong people. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 6. Proverbs 26, verse 6. It says, Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. In other words, why would you send a fool to do your bidding? Why would you not vet this individual before? You see, sometimes it's more than simply about how you feel about a person. Sometimes you must vet out their character. But I would like to submit to you, if the character of the one who's sending out the one in his stead is already compromised, then my guess is those that he sent out will have like character. Why? Because of that biblical principle that says, like begets like. Like begets like. So when there's a consistency of being sent, being, a fool's being sent out, all you have to do is look at the one who's doing the sending out. Because their character may be in question. On the other hand, there is good news when the right person is sent to represent your interests. Again, a Proverbs a chapter 25, verse 13. Proverbs 25, verse 13. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send them. He refreshes the soul of his masters. Isn't that good news? You send out the right person that you can sit back and relax? This sets an important precedent for who is qualified to represent your interests. But more importantly, the interests of the church. So uh, remember, uh, we uh, truly talk about the church, but also think about your own kids. Right? Uh, think about, uh, as you've heard me say before, uh, don't forget, you tell your kids, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget your name. I recall years ago being a kid and, and doing something I should not have done in elementary school. One of those many times. And, um, and having a teacher come to me and, 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 and ask me those words that just cut me to the core. Having that teacher ask me the question, aren't 
you a Spencer? And then they begin to say, well, I know your brothers, and I remember your sisters, and is this what they do? You see, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you must ask that question. If someone finds out that you are Christian, uh, you have to ask, well, wait a minute, I know your Savior. I know the name of Jesus Christ, and you profess to know the name of Jesus Christ, and is this what Christ's followers do? Is this how they act? So let's take a look, starting with Timothy. Timothy, uh, here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. Again, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him, Paul says, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So number one, we look at Timothy and we, we look at his uniqueness. Timothy is unique. Now this tells us of his uh, distinctive qualities which identify him as being the only one that's able to do what he does in the way that he will do them. Now the fact that uh, uh, Paul tells of Timothy, he says that there is no one like him, that this is not a dig on Epaphroditus. See, some people uh, have a problem, right? They have a problem uh, because any time someone else receives some type of accolade, all of a sudden they think they need to receive it, right? It's just where our society uh, has been heading for a while. You give accolades to someone else, all of a sudden that's a dig on you. Well, what about me? But this was not a dig on Epaphroditus, that this was simply a compliment about Timothy because Timothy is unique. What's unique about you? What's so special about you? You see, for each and every person, you have a uniqueness. You, God has fine-tuned you in such a way that identifies you as being his sons and daughter. And whatever you do, whatever you will do, is because no one else can take your place. It's no one like you. You see, we often get into trouble when we compare ourselves with other people thinking that they are in competition with us. But that is the wrong way of thinking for us as believers. Remember, we as believers that we are to unify. We are to be united in humility around Jesus Christ, He who has saved us. Brothers and sisters, no one have the same giftings that you have. Can you say amen? No one. Uh, they may have similar giftings, but no one has uh, the, the same giftings as you have. Why? Because uh, you came from a different background. You learn different. So even though you uh, may do some of the same things, 
Uh, you know, you possess a position that no one else can fill because your heart is unique. Your personality is unique. Face it, our church would be completely different today if you weren't here. Change one or two people in this congregation, in our congregation, the, uh, uh, the, the atmosphere of our congregation begins to change. Did you know that? Sure, we can have the same number, we can even have the same type of people with the same occupations, but the spirit of our church would literally change. No one else can do what you do, so don't hate. No one else can do what you do, so don't retaliate. No one else can do what you do, so thank God for how he has called you. So remember... Recall that there is no one like Timothy. There was no one like Timothy. In fact, we believe that Timothy, he was also timid. He was a little timid. Did you, did you realize that? So if you want to be exactly like Timothy and be called of Paul, that means that you yourself, you need to be timid as well. To be like someone else means that you need to acquire uh, the baggage of their life. I heard uh, one famous uh, preacher say one time, he says, everybody wants to be like me. This is what he said. He says, everybody wants to have what I have. He says, but I tell you what, uh, you can't be like me and you can't have what I have until you have to carry the same baggage that I've had to carry in my life. But see, no one wants, no one wants the baggage. We only want the fame. We only want the end game. We don't want the process that takes us from A to B. But wait a minute, I only want to go from A to Z and skip, skip B uh, through everything else, right? Uh, that's what I want, right? But that's not how it goes. You are not going to be the greatest in your life until you go through all the trials and tribulations in your life. Can you say amen to that? Listen to the language Paul uses to describe Timothy. Listen to some of the baggage that we could hear. Timothy, look at 2 Timothy. Let me have 2 Timothy here. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. I'm going to move really quickly. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4. And Paul says here, as I remember your tears. So Timothy had been crying. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. Paul says to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as sure as well. Dwells in you as well. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You then my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So we see here over and over again, Timothy needed to be encouraged. And this was necessary because of who he was as a person. Now I know that even though that was true of Timothy, some of you are a little bit different. Some of you don't need that. 
Some of you can, can just run and run and run and encouragement that you may need is just the fact that you are doing. Some of you, the encouragement that you need is just to have other people just get out of your way and let you do what you need to do. That's your encouragement. So don't worry about the next person's ministry. Don't worry about what the next person is doing because you are unique. Yes, we are together in the body of Christ. And guess what? The world needs your uniqueness. Everybody is not meant to be a pastor. Everyone is not meant to be an attorney or a doctor or a teacher. Everyone is not meant to be a sound man or a mechanic. Uh, everyone is not meant uh, to, to drive trucks. That's simply not the calling of everyone. We all are unique, and you are uniquely situated right where you are to do what you do, and you should thank God for that today. So one, uh, Timothy is unique. But also, Timothy is uniquely concerned about the welfare of the Philippian saints. Here you go, Philippians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. He says of Timothy, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Christ. So Timothy, another of his characteristics is that he's concerned about the welfare of other people. And I tell you, after being in ministry for many years now, I can now say many years, right? Like I'm really, really old. What, what is many years? Like four years? So uh, after being in ministry for many years, I've seen people that are in ministry for themselves. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that some people start churches as a financial benefit. Not to serve God, not to serve God, but financially. They're thinking of it in terms of a business. Some people are serious, but others are more interested in how they look. So even some churches are started, uh, people join the church because they're in it for titles. And you know me, and you've heard some of the stories that I've told you over the years, and you know that one of the things that I do, and that is I don't play that. I'd rather have a few that are true than to be full that's full of hypocrisy. That is my heart. You see... Anyone can sustain a lie for five minutes. It's easy. Anyone can say, yes, I've come here because I've come here in the name of Jesus Christ and to partner in the gospel of Jesus with you. You see, anyone can maintain that for five minutes. I mean, you can be something that you are not for a short period of time. But eventually, who you are it manages to surface. Who you really are, it comes to the surface. You cannot hide who you are forever. This is especially true for people who say, oh, I'm really concerned about people. And this is why God tells us 
to test potential leaders. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. He says this of the deacons. He says, let them also be what first? Tested. And let them also be tested first. Then uh, let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. So Timothy was genuinely concerned about the welfare of the Philippian saints. And he was also uniquely Timothy. But next is Timothy was a son in the faith to Paul. Philippians 2, verse 22. He says to the Philippians, but you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. As a son, he calls him son. And you know, these types of relationships are very rare these days, other than uh, sometimes I know some people when they see each other, they say, how you doing, son? What's up, son? Uh, we, we, we hear that, but that is not the son of a true relationship. You or your child sitting uh, behind a screen all day long will not develop Christian character and integrity. You can sit behind the phone. You can sit behind a laptop. You can sit be behind a, uh, an, an iPad. You can sit behind a computer, but you can do that all day long, and you will never, ever develop your full character that way. You must be mentored. You can give me all the excuses in the world. But you being cloistered up where you are does not make you out to be a disciple of Christ. But one of the reasons that these relationships today, these sons and daughters relationships are so rare is because no one has time. Nobody has time. Someone has said that a lack of time is actually a lack of priorities. In other words, we find time for the things that we want to do. We find time for the things that we want to do. For instance, let's say that uh, you uh, want to go to church, but on the other hand, uh, it, it, it's time for you. You, you, you haven't had brunch in a while. You, you haven't been out for Sunday brunch in a long while. You say, well, I, I really don't, have time to go to church because today uh, I'm going to go to brunch. Well, when I grab a snack and go in the church and then go to dinner afterwards, well, no, I need to have that time. Uh, or you come up and find another day that you end up being at home watching television instead of being uh, in the presence of God with God's people. The person Bottom line is that the person would be a good mentor that they don't have time because they're busy shoring up their, their own career. And the person who, is, who needs to be mentored don't have time because they are involved in a diversity of activities. You know, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Thinking about myself, thinking about my schedule, thinking about my kids, thinking about families. Uh, for years... I have an opportunity to sit down and reflect this biblically as well. And you know, 
to be really good at something, that one of the things that you must do, you must dedicate your time in that area. So if you want to be a good disciple of Jesus Christ, must, what must you do? You must spend time in church. You must spend time in God's Word. You must spend time in prayer, right? Uh, if you are going to be a good disciple of Jesus Christ, you must be, spend time helping others. But if you spend only five minutes here, and only five minutes here, and then five minutes here, uh, you will be what they, they call a jack of all trades. How does that saying go? They are a jack of all trades, but what? Master of none. And then you wonder, why is it that that one person seemed to excel? Everything they do, I don't understand why they get what they have. Why is it? Because they have dedicated their time in doing that one thing. Now, I know we're in a different world. I understand uh, that uh, times have changed. We have this digital world, computers uh, interlaced with reality. I understand that. But even that, you need to learn how to focus on one thing. Learn how to focus. So our sons and daughters... They need spiritual fathers and mothers. Now, some of you may say, I know some of you may say, I am a father, I am a mother to my child, but eventually they need someone outside of you. They need someone outside of their immediate family if they're going to continue to mature. That's why you send them to school. Most, most people do, amen? I know there are some, some parents at home school, and God bless them. And to be honest, I didn't have patience to homeschool my kids. You know, God bless you all. If you homeschool your kids, God bless you. It's a wonderful thing. God bless you. But even there, eventually, you have to send them outside of the house, don't you? Eventually, they have to be around other people, right? Bottom line is most parents aren't equipped to take their kids to the next level. And it's not because necessarily because of your skill set. Because of the relational dynamic. Shoot, even me, I tried. Remember my daughter, uh, uh, when I first started her off playing flute. And man, I wanted to teach her so bad, and she'd make me so mad. I'm like, you know what? I got to stop this. You know, I just say, you just, just do what you I just tell her, just do what your teacher tells you to do at school. You know, because your, your kids, your, your kids, they start practicing the house, and you jump up. Wait a minute, you need to do this. Wait a minute, you know, this is wrong. Wait a minute, every time you're jumping up. And I realized, you know, she was our experimental child. Can you say amen to that? Right? So I realized after a period of time that that can be very discouraging for a child. It can be very discouraging for every time you jump up. Since you know so much, you're trying to help them. You see, what that child needed was someone outside of them to help them. And then that person tells them what to do. And then they come on and say, look, mom, dad, look what I learned today. And you said, well, didn't I tell you that already? Like they act like they never knew that. But you know that you've taught them that over time. So those were some of the characteristics of being a Timothy courier. Let's move very quickly to Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. 2 Timothy 2, verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need, 
for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Verse 28, I am the more eager to send him, therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. First thing I want you to notice very quickly is that on the one hand, Paul, remember Paul called Timothy a son. Remember that? Call him a son. Not a biological son, but a son in the faith. But here, uh, uh, Paul calls Epaphroditus, he calls him a brother. And again, as I mentioned to you before, that uh, this relational aspect is critical. And again, he was not a brother biological, just like we call each other here in the body of Christ, a brother so-and-so or, or, or sister so-and-so. So whereas Timothy was considered a son, Epaphroditus is considered a brother. And again, note the relational difference. So uh, just because one is viewed as a brother and one is, is viewed as a son does not diminish either. I mean, you've seen it here for yourself. Sometimes, you know, some of your kids, I feel like they're my kids. I mean, I really do. I feel like they are my, even though you get to take them home, amen? Even though you get to feed them, amen? Even though you get to do homework, amen? Even though you get to take them shopping, amen? And even though you get to tell them be quiet at night, amen? Even though you have to tell them to clean up their room, amen? I feel like they're my sons and daughters. I do. I really feel like that. So just because one is viewed one way and another is viewed another way, that does not diminish who you are. So if someone calls you son, someone calls you daughter, within the body of Christ, don't take offense. Because God knows there's plenty of offense to go around today. Largely because there's so many people who are biblically illiterate and they don't understand. So do you consider someone to be your brother and sister in the faith? If you haven't, call them your brother and sister today. Call them your brother and sister today. Here in verse 25, Paul also calls him a fellow worker and a fellow soldier as well. Someone who has worked alongside of him, or someone who has fought the spiritual fight as well. That word fellow. He is one, Epaphroditus, is one who has endured through the hard work. Epaphroditus was also a faithful messenger to the Philippians. Of the Philippians, I should say. It means that at one time that he delivered messages from the Philippians to Paul himself. So now Epaphroditus, he has a spiritual worker's ministry uh, a mindset and track work record. So this tells us the Philippians saw him as faithful. But look at what Paul said about Epaphroditus in uh, Philippians chapter 4, though. Philippians chapter 4, verse 18. He says, I have received full payments and more. 
I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So Epaphroditus, he was faithful. Uh, the Philippians sent, obviously sent a gift, probably financial, to Paul to help him. Remember, during this time, if you were in prison, if you needed wares or anything else, you needed money to make that happen. Uh, there was no county system to give you bologna and bread and water every single day. If you wanted to eat something substantial, uh, that someone had to support you outside of the prison system. And then in here, in verses 26 and 27, we read that uh, while he was ministering to Paul, his health gave way. So I am not suggesting that uh, your health giving way uh, is a characteristic that we should aspire to in the body of Christ because Lord knows uh, I don't want that to happen to me and I don't want that to happen to you. But yet there's an old saying that goes like this. When you are plowing a field and you come across a stump, plow around it. When you plow a field and come across a stump, plow around it. Those tough times are not the time that we should give up. These are the very times we must gather up who we are on the inside and pray more intentionally about where we are and what we are doing. Don't allow that stump to stop you. God has made you stronger than that. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Sometimes you get worn down. Sometimes uh, you may not want to go to basketball camp. Amen? Uh, sometimes uh, you may not want to come to be an usher, or you may not want to go to work, do you? But yet, on those mornings that you wake up so tired, and then the stump of you being tired is in the way of you getting to work, what do you do? You get up and you do what? You go around it and you go anyway. Amen? Uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the spiritual life is just like that. We come across things. Uh, stumps build character. Can you say that? Stumps. Brothers and sisters, the stump in your life will build your character. Don't get mad at the stump. The stump may have been there before you anyway. Don't get mad at the stump, and don't get mad at God for putting the stump there, because God probably put that stump there in the first place in order to test you. Learn patience in the Lord. So when people give their all to represent you or others, it's important they be recognized as well. Honor those. Honor those who are doing the work of the ministry here in verses uh, 29 and 30 of Philippians chapter 2. We have already heard that Epaphroditus was ill almost to the point of death, so we understood the gravity of ministry. Let's look at this again. Verse 26, Paul says, because you heard he was ill. Verse 27, indeed he was ill. You hear what Paul is saying? Verse 27 again, he says, near to death. Verse 27 again, lest I have sorrow upon sorrow about what's happening to Epaphroditus. Verse 30 Paul says, he nearly 
died. Verse 30 again, it says, risking his life. So this person took a significant step for the body of Christ. And Paul was saying that the Philippians should thank him for his service. Amen? But in the body of Christ, it is not always evident who is in the faith and who give their whole lives for the saints. Uh, because in the body of Christ, uh, those who serve don't always wear literal uniforms that quickly identify them as being battle-worn or scarred up because of the fight. But you better believe it does happen. You, don't, you do, or you should believe that when you are in the ministry, when you're working in the ministry, sometimes you get beat up. So when we know that to be true, we need to tell people, thank you for your service. Thank you for your ministry. I appreciate you. Philippians 1.20, Paul says, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. You see, Paul was saying, you know, I wear the uniform of Christ. He says, look at me. My life of service for Jesus Christ and the advancement of the gospel is my uniform. Now, while Paul doesn't command us to thank him for his service, uh, and, and we thank God for the service that, that Paul did on our behalf, we are reminded to thank God for him. All of those who work in summer ministries, in winter ministries, in fall ministry, I thank God for you. So at the end of the day, all believers should have character traits of faithfulness. Can you be the one that is sent? And here they are. Let me sound a little different, but that's on purpose. Here they are, character traits. Be who you are. Be who you are. Genuinely care for people. Genuinely. Mentor others and get mentored. Both. Mentor others and get mentored. And make sure someone can call you brother and sister. By them calling you brother and sister means that you have shown yourself to be faithful in the faith and also means you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Next, get in the game and be a fellow worker and a fellow soldier. Be faithful where you are right now. Be faithful where you are. If God has called you to where you are right now, be faithful. And then finally, give your all to the vision of Christ, which is eternal and bigger than yourself. Let's pray. Father, again, we